The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome, everybody, in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to those of you here in the room, everybody tuning in online. Thanks for joining us. And uh, as always, we, we want to welcome our visitors and just say thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us and choosing to worship with us. This is a church being transformed into the image of Christ so that anyone can find the way to God. And I did want to give a quick shout out to Brent Stafford and thank him for uh, editing and filming and producing these good news videos that we're going to be watching throughout uh, this sermon series. And I also wanted to thank uh, those who've, who've shared their stories, such as Colin, and I'm excited for you to hear the remaining stories. Without any further ado, let's continue in our sermon series, Good News, Sharing the Gospel of Christ. We're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Let's pray. God, we give thanks this morning. We thank you for this word of the Lord. We thank you for providing a light unto our path. God, we thank you for this community, this community of friends, this community of your people here to worship you. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this text in our hearing, and Lord, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Laura and I have some friends who work in campus ministry in Colorado, and their names are Alex and Megan. And they've been doing some really wonderful work there, campus ministry and evangelism. They've been there about a decade, and they've seen a lot of fruit. They've been able to disciple a lot of college students. They've seen a lot of young people actually give their lives to Jesus for the first time. But campus ministry and evangelism is not without its obstacles, as with all evangelism. And uh, one afternoon, Megan ran up against an obstacle in a conversation when a gal uh, didn't quite understand who Jesus was totally. Uh, she, she was talking to this girl there, having a good conversation, and uh, finally Megan decided to, to bring up Jesus, and uh, she said, so do you, you know, do you know Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? What's kind of your familiarity there? And this young college girl in Colorado, she said, well, uh, yeah, I, I know Jesus, um, great teacher, Bethlehem, he who shall not be named. (laughs) 
which if you're not a Harry Potter fan, uh, he who shall not be named is uh, how they refer to the main villain, Lord Voldemort, in those books and movies. Uh, It is very much not how we refer to Jesus of Nazareth. But there are all kinds of obstacles to evangelism, not just people's misunderstanding and melded with pop culture ideas about Jesus. There are just some really strong headwinds blowing against evangelism and sharing the gospel in America particularly. Right, in this book that Ben and I are basing this sermon series on, she cites a study in which six in 10 Americans in this survey uh, said that to try and convert someone to your own religion is extreme. Right, six and 10. And if you narrow that survey, not just to Americans at large, but Americans who don't claim a religious faith, the, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, if you narrow it, Actually, eight in 10 will say that that's extreme to try to convert someone. And I don't know, there are six in 10 Americans, there may be some in this room who are like, yeah, I, I love Jesus, but uh, that's, that's pretty extreme for me. But what I want us to realize this morning, I think what we should recognize is that not all evangelism is created equal. Right? It matters how you share the gospel of Jesus. It matters the mode in which you do evangelism. And that's what I love about the way Ben started off the series last week. He started simply with hospitality. What a beautiful entry point into the conversation about sharing your faith. Hospitality, loving the other, welcoming the stranger. What a beautiful way to get into evangelism. And I think it also matters how we define evangelism, right? There's this Sri Lankan church leader actually named D.T. Niles, and he has this definition of evangelism that I love. He says, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. The Christian does not offer out of his bounty. He has no bounty. He is simply guest at his master's table, and as evangelist, he calls others too. The evangelistic relation is to be alongside of, not over against. The Christian stands alongside the non-Christian and points to the gospel, the holy action of God. One beggar telling another beggar where to get food. Christians don't approach sharing the good news of Jesus acting like we have all the answers. We shouldn't, because we don't, right? We don't come to this from an me above you, us against them kind of mentality. This is one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread of life, right? And if Jesus really is the bread of life, if Jesus really is risen from the dead, the world has changed, And that's good news. And if we're a beggar who's got food, what kind of people would we be if we didn't offer that food to others? We stand alongside the non-Christian and simply point to Jesus. And so that's how I want to continue our conversation about evangelism this morning. I want us to take our cues from Jesus in John chapter 15 in our text this morning. So let's jump back into verse 12 together. 
Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. Jesus calls us his friends. The whole of the Christian life could be summed up as friendship with Jesus. That simply, we're friends of Jesus. We're friends of God in Christ. And I say simple, it requires something of us, right? It's not just chilling out with Jesus on a lazy Saturday. He says, if you really love people, you'll lay down your lives for your friends. He says, if you are my friend, you'll do what I ask of you. But friendship with Jesus, that's what it means to be a Christian. In fact, the writer of John, John will go on to write, the epistle of Third John. And in that epistle, it, it seems like in that community he's writing to, the word Christian has basically become synonymous with the word friend. In the very last verse of Third John, he says, peace to you, the friends send you their greetings. Greet the friends there, each by name. Friend has become synonymous there with being a Christian, following Jesus. Churches are simply filled with friends of God. Friendship with Jesus. I think that's another wonderful way for us to take another step into evangelism this morning. For us to think about what it means to share the good news of Jesus Christ that we have is to think about it in terms of friendship. So here's our definition of evangelism for this morning. Evangelism is inviting others to friendship with God. Evangelism is inviting others to friendship with God. It's extending the circle of Jesus and his friends, right? We all know the joy of being in God's presence. We know the healing and love that we experience being friends with Jesus. How can we not share that? How can we not want to invite others into that very same healing, rejuvenating, redemptive presence? I grew up in South Dakota, as you all know, Uh, so I spent 18 years forming some deep, lifelong relationships there. And now I've been here in Oklahoma, and I've been forming some deep, lifelong relationships here. And it's a real joy, it rarely happens, but it's a real joy for me when I get to introduce a friend from one world with a friend from the other world. Right, I love, I've been in South Dakota and an Oklahoma friend came passing through. I've been down here and South Dakota friends have come through. And it's a joy for me to get to introduce these people who are near and dear to my heart to these other people who are near and dear to my heart, right? I want them to experience the presence of this wonderful person that I know. I want them to know that friend. It's the same with God. It's the same with Jesus, only infinitely greater, right? How can we not want people to experience the presence and love of friendship with God? To to keep it to ourselves would be miserly and, and small. 
Evangelism is inviting others to friendship with God. And how wonderful that the gospel comes in the form of friendship. How wonderful, how necessary that the gospel comes through friendship. Because we all know from experience and from what we can intuit that loneliness, exclusion, isolation is debilitating, right? It's, it's a real struggle. Jeremy talked in his communion homily about loneliness. Loneliness is really debilitating, and there have been social psychologists who've studied and really shown us what we could already intuit, that it really has terrible effects on people, right? There's this simple study they've designed that is actually just basically a game of catch. And so they'll gather a group of people, and they'll start tossing a ball around, only the wrinkle in this study is that one person in the group, unbeknownst to them, is never gonna have the ball thrown to them, right? So they come to this game and balls pop corning around from person to person and they're smiling and enjoying the excitement and anticipating the ball coming to them and it doesn't come and they're waiting and it doesn't come and they're waiting and their smile begins to fade and finally they walk away because this game clearly wasn't for them. Social psychologists have shown that these people who are excluded or ostracized from the group consistently testify to a greater increase of meaninglessness. An increase in the sense that life has no purpose. Loneliness is debilitating. And it's got terrible effects on our health, too, emotional, spiritual, physical, right? There are studies that show that, that loneliness is just as bad, maybe worse than smoking for your health, right? Loneliness is connected to depression, to substance and domestic abuse. It's connected to dementia and heart disease, right? And of course, Loneliness has been a problem in our society for a long time, but the COVID-19 pandemic only exacerbated those problems, right? Harvard did a study, in fact, that found in October 2020, 36% of Americans were experiencing serious loneliness. Serious loneliness. Those are some pretty depressing statistics. But this is a sermon series on good news. And friendship is good news. Friendship is good news as a cure for loneliness, right? In fact, social connection is supposed to actually decrease the risk of early mortality. So basically take all of those health effects and you can kind of just reverse them in the other direction for people who are surrounded with friends, right? To have a friend is, is to be somebody who is given to human flourishing, right? Friendship sustains us. It gives us life and vitality. In fact, another study showed that your chances of being in poverty go down 20% if you have two or more close friends. Two or more close friends. Significant chance that you are not gonna be in poverty. Your chances of getting out of poverty, in fact, very much rely on cross-class friendships, 
right? Friends who can pull you out of destitution. But it's not just about money, right? In fact, you're less likely to be a happier person if you get a $10,000 raise than you are if you simply have a happy friend, right? Happy friend, more likely to make you a happy person than a $10,000 raise. Friendship with human beings is a societal good that God has given us. That's how God has designed us to be together, for us to give one another joy and life, right? John the Baptist, in the beginning of the Gospel of John, he says that friendship with Jesus is a cause for joy. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom, Jesus' voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Friendship with God gives us joy, gives us hope, gives us life. And I think, I think it's almost invisible to a lot of us, though. Right? As Ben demonstrated by a show of hands last week, almost all of us in this room who are Christians who are friends of God, belong to a church at the beginning. We've grown up in the church, right? So we've, we've known friendship with God from the very beginning. We, we haven't even experienced hardly a time without it. And that almost makes it invisible to us, the way that we are sustained by friendship with God. Because to know God, to be God's friend, is like coming home. It's like seeing the beginning and the end of your life. God is our origin and our goal. He's where we come from. He's where we're headed. So to introduce someone else to friendship with God is to help them see the deepest truths about who they are, what they were made for, and where they're going. It's for them to truly flourish as human beings for the first time. In verses 16 and 17, Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. It's Connection Sunday here at the Springs, and that is no accident. And this is a Sunday focused on sharing the gospel through friendship and the primary way we facilitate and foster deep and abiding friendship at this church is in our connections groups. Connections groups are, are where we go one level deeper with our fellowship, right? The, the size and the intimacy of the setting is what allows us to build these relationships of, of trust and encouragement and support. I know Laura and I can tell you that in our family, there have been seasons where we've really struggled and our whole group has turned in on us to support us, to sustain us. And I think probably every family in our group could tell of a time where that was the case, where the whole group turned in to love and support and encourage. Connections are where we're honest with each other. 
Jesus said, remember in verse 15, I've called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from the Father. Connections groups are where from time to time we lay everything bare, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? It's where we make known everything to each other because that's at the root of deep and abiding friendship. Connections are where we experience real friendship with each other and in turn, our friendship with God is strengthened. When I know the Holy Spirit in you, I know the Holy Spirit better. When I know the image of God in you, I know God better. Connections are vital to what we do here, our connections groups. And yet I think few of us have probably considered connections groups in terms of evangelism, in terms of sharing the gospel of Christ. And it makes me wonder, what if we did use our groups not simply to strengthen our internal dynamics and friendship with one another, but if we used it to invite those outside these walls? Right? There may be people who wouldn't darken the door of this church building, but they'll come over for dinner with you and your friends. They may not come to an established church institution, but they'll meet you and your friends and your kids at the park. What if we used our connections, not just for the internal cohesion so vital and necessary to this church, but to even turn outward, to use groups of friendship as a way to extend the friendship of God. We need more groups. Uh, Jason, our connections delegate, has said as much. Our groups are big right now. We, We need new ones. What if someone started a connections group focused on spreading the gospel to the strangers outside this church? Imagine what God might do. Because evangelism seems extreme to some. It seems extreme, but what if we just begin with hospitality? What if we just begin with a cup of coffee across a table? What if we just begin with a kind word, with a friendship pursued, with a person cared for? What if we just began as one beggar telling another beggar where you can find food? Jesus says again in verse 15, I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. Jesus calls us friends because of what he's made known to us. So again, we can't come into this evangelistic endeavor with the idea that we're somehow superior, with the idea that we somehow have all the answers, with the idea that we are necessarily better or more moral or more just or loving. Sadly, that's not always the case. All we can bring to our relationship with non-Christians is one thing. There's only one thing that we know that they don't yet know, and that is friendship with Jesus. That's all we have. 
we're beggars. We don't have a bounty. We share in the bounty at God's table, but we can bring the friendship of Jesus. That's all that we have to offer, and God has deigned to make that offer through us. God has deigned to make his appeal through us. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we seek reconciliation with others. We seek reconciliation with God and with the world. We seek to love the stranger. We seek to welcome the ostracized and outcast. We seek friendship even with our enemies. Because as St. Augustine said in the city of God, among our most declared enemies there are now some unknown to themselves who are destined to become our friends. Every enemy is a potential friend of Jesus Christ. And as you heard in Colin Deister's story before the sermon, the journey towards Jesus can begin with a simple friendship. Just friends, hanging out. It can begin with a simple friendship. It can take years, it can take months, it could take weeks. We don't know the time frame, but we know that God can work through a simple act of hospitality and friendship. I began with a story about our friends, Megan and Alex, and they've done this wonderful evangelism, particularly at Colorado University and Colorado State, University, and they've seen so much growth in so many students, and a little while back, Alex got in touch with a junior at CU named Nick, and they went out, and they got together, and they had a good conversation. They started to get to know each other, and Alex decided to share the gospel with Nick, and Nick said he wasn't really interested. So Nick at CU was also in a fraternity. And what you need to know about Nick is that he had a real big anger problem. And this anger problem got so bad one night that he actually got kicked out of his fraternity at CU. Talk about losing close friendships. And that night he drank a lot. He took some pills, and he didn't know if he was going to be waking up in the morning. When he did wake up, he thought of Alex. He thought of that conversation. He thought about the gospel, and he texted Alex. He said, I need to see you. And they got together, and they started talking again, and Nick gave his life to Jesus. And Nick went on to become a discipleship group leader. And that fall when he came back to see you, he went to his old friendships and he tried to introduce them to friendship with Jesus. Went to his old ex-fraternity brothers and talked to them about this Jesus who he had become friends with. Church, 
every human being on earth faces sin and suffering that can only be healed by friendship with God. Every one of us, we face sin and suffering that can only be healed by friendship with Jesus. And if we know the cure, how can we not share that medicine? If we are beggars with the bread of life at our fingertips, how can we not give that to the other beggars? Right? We know friendship with Jesus. We know the beauty and joy of his presence. And Jesus tells us that if you're really friends with someone, you'll lay down your life for them. That's precisely what he did. On the cross and in the resurrection, Jesus gave all of himself to establish our friendship. He laid it all down. Can we lay down our fear? Can we lay down our shame, our trepidation, and our doubt to invite people into the circle of Jesus' friends? To show them the God that we worship who calls us friend. Let us stand and praise that God right now, church.